Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In their at times illuminating and at times infuriating documentary film, Pay or Die, filmmakers Scott Alexander Ritterman and Rachel Dyer cinematically asked the question, how and why are nearly 2 million type 1 diabetic Americans being held for ransom? Without insulin, they would all be dead in days. Pay or Die follows three families on the receiving end of these ransom notes, revealing the harrowing reality of life with chronic illness in the richest country in the world. The film, again, is called Pay or Die. It is premiering at the uh, 2023 South by Southwest Film Festival. My congratulations to our co-directors, Scott Alexander Ritterman and Rachel Dyer. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. It's a very moving um, film, very emotionally involving, told through the stories of three different stories in this film. Um, Scott, I'm going to start with you because I know that there is a personal connection to all of this. Uh, what led you to want to do this particular documentary film? Absolutely. I'm a type one. You know, I have type one diabetes. I, I was diagnosed when I was in college. And, you know, that was at a time where I was starting my career and trying to figure out what my career is going to be. But, um, you know, as I became a freelance filmmaker, I did notice that, you know, the cost of health insurance was quite expensive and being on insulin, a, a certain tier of medication, you know, I had to get premium health insurance and it was, it was expensive. Fortunately, I was never in a position I need to ration my insulin, but the idea of, oh, what if I can't make ends meet in the next month was pretty scary. And it wasn't until Ra- Rachel and I met, Rachel is a, a um, is a director producer and I w- I'm a cinematographer and we met on a production and we were, I was letting her know about this issue. And she kind of had a a background in journalism has covered stories like this, but it wasn't until we actually went to Canada where uh, we went into a Canadian pharmacy. And I have heard the stories that you can get affordable insulin there compared to what you can get in America. And I walked in and, you know, the pharmacy was so kind, so accepting. And I was able to purchase insulin at $20 versus a few hundred dollars. And I'm talking about $20 a vial versus a few hundred dollars a vial here in the United States out of pocket. And that's kind of what kicked us off. And when we came back and said, we need to make a film about this, as soon as we started doing the research, we were shocked about what people in America are doing to try to afford their medications. Rachel, uh, pick up the story from there. Now, before you do, so you're working as a producer and as a journalist, background in print journal, reporting, media? Yeah, so I'm, as you can hear, Australian, and I moved to the States about 10 years ago. And when I first moved over, I was a freelance journalist um, working for a number of the international networks. And there I started um, some of the stories I was covering was looking at what's called medical refugees. And this term for me, coming from Australia, I think was just mind boggling in itself, which Americans are traveling to other countries in the world to source their medication at an affordable cost. Um, So I researched this and was following quite a few people who were traveling to Canada, Mexico to do this. I had meant when Scott and I met on set and he told me he was a type one diabetic, I had mentioned this to him and said, have you ever thought doing this yourself? And I think 
what was startling is, is like so many, he said, no, that's not possible. You're, you, that can't be true. That, that, no, that's not false facts, false facts. But we took, as, as Scott just mentioned, took that journey and went there. And I think from my perspective to see it as an Australian and witnessing Scott look into the eyes of this pharmacist who had brought, he felt like a kid in a candy store, to have had this medicine brought to him and not only not only the insulin but different types of insulin which might i add he, you know in america he can't choose what type of insulin he wants to be on it only is um, it's up to the insurance yeah, company you, you know and they, they, they switch every it. few years yeah yeah so they dictate what you can and can't have so it was at that time i saw scott well up with tears and to see that from someone who is is lucky enough to come from, you know, affordable healthcare. I think that's when we just looked at each other and said, yes, we've got to make this documentary now. I want to talk about the bigger picture of what you just described, but but I want to get to the stories of the people in the in the film as well. But the what you just described completely blows up this idea that the price of insulin has anything to do with the price of insulin. If I can go to Mexico and get it for, I'll say, one quarter or one-tenth of the price, and it's literally a few hundred yards from America, and then the same is true in Canada and the border there, it's got nothing to do with the actual price of the of the insulin. And that's a big picture. I mean, that's sort of what I'm laying out. So let's go to the – and I will get back to that because I think this is something people have to understand. They just have to understand that this is just – I'm sorry, unadulterated greed on the part of, and not just the insurance companies. We'll name some names here by the time we're done here, but let's talk about the search and the finding of the people that we see in the film, because these are truly wrenching and and heartfelt kind of stories. Sandra and Emma, Kara and uh, Nicole and James. Let's talk, let's start with Nicole and James, because they kind of kick things off in the film as well. So, you know, when we started um, production at the time, Nicole and James were kind of the poster child of this issue. They lost their son, Alec, shortly after he aged off their, you know, his parents' health insurance and started rationing his insulin because he couldn't afford it. And that kind of set off one of the biggest stories about this issue. Nicole's story is really her fight in Minnesota trying to push an emergency, you know, access to insulin bill so people that are in that situation could get access to their medication and you know if so they don't have to ration their medicine so well, yeah. before you i'm sorry to interrupt pardon me i want to um, drill down a little bit on that people do this all the time they ration their medications to and to what end let's talk about just for a second i want to describe just how damaging how out of necessity they're really literally putting themselves on life support in some ways yeah. right so rationing insulin, what that means is if you don't have enough, you use what you have to get you, you know, until your next prescription is due, or if you can't afford it, you you go with what you have and you're taking less. And that starts all different types of complications. So it is very dangerous and it is highly not recommended to do this. Okay. Thank you. I continue, please. I just want to make sure people understand that because it's an understandable reaction on the part of the people who are dealing with a shortage of money, not being able to pay for the amounts of, of insulin they need. It, it's almost, it is, it's not, I wouldn't say rational, 
but it is what's available to them to try and do, right? Yeah. And I think just to quickly add in, to put things into um, perspective for everyone, which I didn't know when I first met, met Scott, is type one is when you have a type one as a condition, it is something that is life or death. You know, without like, insulin. Yes. Yeah, without insulin. Like Scott, you don't have a choice. You have this condition 24-7. So you have to be able to manage it and be able to survive with that insulin that you're prescribed. So that means if you cannot afford it for one month, if you drop that vial, if you lose it, if it's temperature regulated, so it goes too hot or too cold then you're in trouble. So I think, you know, Scott and others right, have right. said that for them, it's as essential as water for, for the rest of us. I mean, without insulin, maybe three, four days, you're in the hospital. If you can get to the hospital before going into a coma, your blood is turning acidic. It's, it's you know, you are facing death. And, and it happens like that. It's not a slow progression. Well, I just want to be, quickly remind our listeners that we are talking about this film Pay or Die. It is premiering at the 2023 South by Southwest Film Festival. And we're being joined today by the co-directors, Scott Alexander Ritterman, as well as Rachel Dyer. We talked about uh, Nicole and James, the, the the mom and dad who had to deal with their, the death of their son. And the other two stories that you cover in the film, I thought were, they, they really round out the picture of people dealing with this in a way that I think anyone who watches this film will be moved by. Um, I mean, going back, Nicole is an extremely charismatic, impassioned mother who who has gone far beyond the the passing of her, her son to make sure that this doesn't happen to anyone else. Um, it's beautiful to watch. Um, and again, the filmmaking part of it, the pulling us into these stories, is just really well done. Did you meet them? Was there? Did you put out a call to people? Um, Rachel, how did you get to know Sandra and Emma and Kara? Yeah, of course. So with Sandra and Emma um, and Kara, I think that we we just really dove into that research when we came back from Canada because we wanted to find out specifically, you know, how many people were in this situation. Um, we had obviously heard about Nicole because of what had happened with Alec, but disgracefully and shockingly, we found that there, unfortunately there were so many of these stories we just had people contacting us and telling these dire situations, which I think was just so overwhelming and really upsetting, but again, um, really gave us the drive to be able to tell this story. Sandra and Emma, we actually heard about their story and read about it in a local paper where they were driving hours and hours to go to a pharmacy that would only accept their insurance. So, you know, they were taking that journey. So that in itself um, was just not practical and then not affordable for them in the end. And then Cara, she was a newly uh, diagnosed someone with diabetes during the pandemic. And that, you know, to have that over over your head to be a newly type, type one and then also dealing with, you know, the pandemic was, I think, insurmountable to be able to show what she was going through from a physical, emotional and then looking on beyond to the financial perspective. And I think with each of our three characters, that's what we kind of wanted to show was the financial, the emotional and the physical burden that they're faced with every day. And Mike, and I think you brought up a good point that, you know, it was a 
well-rounded way of telling the story. And that was really important to us because we a lot of people did reach out to us with their stories, but we felt as though we wanted to surface this above just the diabetes community. We wanted this to relate to as many people as we can so they can kind of see what's happening in America and how the healthcare system is failing so many Americans and putting them in a life or death situation. By doing that, the medical refugee story is one angle. And then we also have the angle of Cara of just understanding the complications of trying to manage this before even hitting the financials. Mm -hmm. And then what we did is we really brought in the informative aspect to thread the idea to help people understand the scope of this. Um, You know, it goes well beyond type one diabetes. I mean, you know, insulin is the face of many of this drug pricing issue in America. EpiPens, there's all kinds of other Adlers, cancer yes. medication. I mean, when we went to the pharmacy in Canada, we were talking to the owner of the pharmacy and he's like, people will literally just fly in for the day, get their medication, leave. I mean, there's a cancer medication that costs $30,000 here in the United States, but you can get it for $20 there in Canada. And it happens on a daily basis. That's where healthcare is for the people where here it's, it's for the business, it's, it's business, unfortunately. And this is where another important part of the film is to explain in very well laid out ways in which we understand how this is happening within the sort of internal world of pharmaceuticals and business and who gets more money and how, how this works to their advantage to continue without seemingly any guardrails to continue to raise the price on things for no other reason than the fact that they can raise the prices on these things. And it is incredibly important for people to understand that this isn't an immutable law of economics, that these things are happening. This is something fundamentally wrong with our system. And again, I said earlier, maybe oversimplifying it, it's happening because people who who are in charge of this, who are making these drugs and distributing them can get away with it. And I, and I think you lay it out beautifully in the film in that regard. So um, am I overstating that? Rachel, does that sound fairly accurate to what is happening? It does. And I think, you know, as you have pointed out, Mike, is it is a multi-layered complex system with many players involved. Um, It isn't just, you know, one player that takes a hand and responsibility in this. And it is it is all about money and and greed and profit, um, which is what doesn't happen in a lot of the other countries. But it was really important for us too, I think, in the film to be able to, to break that down and show all of the players involved in this huge system that is failing, you know, Americans and what does need to change. And I think that that's what's really important with a lot of the recent news that has come up this week is for us to note that this film is really timely like right now and why it is so important to come out is to educate through these human stories, but to ensure that laws are passed so that this cannot happen again and right, prices can't be lowered, they can't be raised when the pharmaceutical companies feel like it. So we need to ensure that laws are passed through Congress to you know so that this can stop. One of the great disappointments for me as a citizen of the United States was during the passage of Obamacare when they took negotiations for prescription drugs off the table for no 
good reason at all other than political power. That really was disappointing. If we had that, we might not be having the kind of conversation we're having right now. You know, and this goes back to, and again, sort of going back to what Nicole and James and Kara and, and Kara, pardon me, and others are doing here. And that is, it goes back to the idea that patients should actually have a say in some way into the 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 way that their diseases are being um, addressed, right? It goes back to the AIDS crisis, right? For the first time that I can, that I know of, people stepped in and, and got between the people making the medicine and the people the people who are getting the medicine and said, no, this isn't going to work. And so we're seeing kind of that idea play out. I hope we're seeing that kind of idea play out. There's some very positive developments we see in the film in Minnesota. Are there other developments playing out in the, across the country in that same way? Let's talk, um, Scott, if you want to talk about any, any legislative or, or governmental approaches to this that are getting better. So I think a lot of states are modeling bills after what happened in Minnesota to kind of create options for people that are in the predicament of not being able to afford their insulin. But in the greater scheme of things, I think we need more healthcare reform. And I think something federal is really the goal here. Um, you know, we can't just wait for someone to die and put a name on a bill for each state. You know, each state can't just say, oh, okay, this someone dies and now we need to make a bill for them. That's not the way to do it. I think we have to jump up to the top and say, we have a major healthcare issue in this country and we need healthcare reform. And the only thing that's going to stop and prevent this from happening again is for, for bills to be passed. But that's why, you know, we're making a film about this. And the film is, is not just a political film talking head. This is stories. We want people to resonate with these stories, to familiarize themselves. It's a verite driven film. It's a character driven film. I think people relate to other people. And that and that's the reality here. You know, we all want to help each other in some shape, way, or form. And this is this is what it's going to take. I go back to something I said earlier about the film, and that is it is a very emotional film watching these people as their as their lives progress, as their lives move forward, and watching the personal investment and also the small victories and to, and the connections they make with others in the film. And it's really very powerful. So my congratulations to both of you for wonderful work here. My congratulations for the premiere at South by Southwest. I look forward to this having a wonderful run theatrically and <clears throat> beyond. So uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much Mike. Mike. Really appreciate you having us and, you know, letting us share these important stories. Thank you. Again, the film is called Pay or Die. We've been speaking with the co-directors of the film, Scott Alexander Ruderman, as well as Rachel Dyer. Thank you so very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music